everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for the Spirit of Prophecy today. I am excited to have the first guest on this program, Pastor Patrick Boyle from the Revival Baptist Church in Orlando, Florida. Pastor Boyle has been a good friend of mine for several years now, and I appreciate his friendship. I enjoy the fellowship with him, and I enjoy talking anything. Uh, we like talking about literally anything with each other, uh, but uh, Bible is something we like to talk about, and prophecy. He's somebody who I would consider uh, in my camp, you could say, when it comes to eschatology. And so we're going to have a conversation over the next few days on prophecy. And we kind of have today's subject that we are going to discuss. And the purpose really of this week's programs is I'm trying to set the tone for this podcast. I don't want it to turn into just this controversial, in-your-face, seeking for attention, dramatic type thing. I, I want to talk about prophecy. I am not here because I know everything on this. I learn from a lot of different people, but I do enjoy talking about it, and I think we need to talk about these things. But that can be a dangerous thing in the theological world where if you discuss things and there's disagreement, things can get real ugly. And as a result, often people just kind of go along, I'm afraid. And so today we're going to talk about just animosity and attacks because that typically comes with a lot of different subjects, but for sure, even with eschatology. And the question is, is eschatology worth all the hostility, the fighting, the attacks? Is it worth it? And so, uh, Pastor Boyle, if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself real quick to everyone and then tell us what you think about eschatology. Obviously, everything in the Bible is important, but should it get as ugly as it does when it comes to this subject? Well, thank you, Pastor McMurtry, for having me. And it is an honor to be in the slot of the first guest on this show. Of course, looking forward to all those others that are going to be following And uh, certainly Bible prophecy is something that a lot of people are talking about today as we see our our world shaping and things, unusual things happening. Um, And so I'm certainly interested in it. I think it's worthy of our time and our attention. And so I'm appreciative of a podcast such as this that's getting started off. But I'm pastoring here in Orlando, Florida. I've got my wife, Robin. We have seven children. I've been in ministry all of my life um, from just a young adult, teenager. Uh, I was serving the Lord by way of bus routes, soul winning, Sunday school class, things like that, and then surrendered to be in the missions uh, department. We were in Romania for eight years. Then I pastored in Ohio for six years, and then I am now here in Orlando as pastor of the Rob Baptist Church. And we just celebrated five years from the day we started our church. And so we're just a little toddler of a church, just five years old, uh, but uh, excited with what God is doing here in the Orlando area. And to answer the question, the uh, eschatology, worldview, uh, prophecy views, is it worth fighting over? Uh, I would say no, absolutely resounding no. Is it important? Absolutely resounding yes. And everyone should have a place where they land. Even if it's different than mine, yours, or anyone else, you should know at least uh, roughly where you hold, where you land on these on these doctrines 
But then when you look around and see others have landed slightly different or even dramatically different, uh, I think there should be room for conversation. There should be room for even allowance for someone to be, in your opinion, wrong. Um, but sadly, I personally experienced um, quite the opposite of that. I experienced uh, attacks and uh, friendships that were broken. Uh, my, my testimony is I grew up you know, independent fundamental Baptist circle, very strong pre-trib, um, dispensational background. And it was on the mission field in Romania, probably around 2008, 2009, that I began to teach eschatology to Romanians. And I realized trying to take in English and bringing it down to a Romanian uh, language barrier, I had to simplify it. And as I was trying to simplify it for my uh, vocabulary, uh, I realized I didn't have quite an understanding on the pre-trib doctrine. And it was then that 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 moment led me to a journey where I would say today I am post-trib pre-wrath. And that transition, that journey along the way, um, I didn't realize how hostile it would get, but I did. I lost a lot of friends over it. And and to my surprise, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Um, but looking back, I learned that people get very angry on, on all sides, very angry if someone holds a different view. Yes, very true. And one thing I think we need to clarify from the get-go, when we were talking about differences in eschatology, uh, we're not talking about uh, those who don't believe in a literal return of Christ or those who don't believe in a literal resurrection of the dead. Obviously, we would draw lines there, but we're talking about really just, you know, timing of certain events in relation to rapture and the tribulation, things like that. And, that, and at the end of the day, these things are difficult, some of them. And so, um, you know, it is seem it does seem like the hostility is... Um, little over dramatic, I would say. And um, one thing I do think I need to do on this program, I do intend to kind of share some uh, old programs on here on certain days because the plan is to release uh, content every weekday. But uh, we did an interview back in 2017 with you where you gave your testimony that was really good. And if people haven't seen that, that's something that they definitely need to watch. That was really good. And the truth is, too, Revival Baptist Church was kind of started because um, you had some uh, drama at your previous church over this issue where people were very upset about it. And so uh, you've had a lot of experience, you know, without going into all those stories. I think we should share uh, the one story later. But just, yeah, with your sending church when you're on the mission field, uh, with your home church when you were pastoring. And so without a doubt, both of us, uh, we have dealt with some major grief over this subject, for sure. And so um, let's talk about some of the overdramatic reactions to people changing on eschatology. Because I don't know if you've heard a lot of this before, but something that I hear, and I've been present in the room um, at different conferences and things when preachers are speaking, and they'll get up and they'll give these dire warnings about all these preachers changing on eschatology and teaching that we're going to go halfway through the tribulation and, and we got to watch out for these guys and they'll talk about how dangerous they are. Have you have you heard some of that? Have you heard some of these crazy lines? I have, um, and you know, I just want to echo that same thought that you that you brought up. You know, we're not talking about 
completely polar opposite eschatological views. We're talking about where we agree on all the roots, salvation, the King James Bible, you know, all the, the, all these, the Trinity, and then we're, you know, we're, the tree is growing and we're all unified. And then we get to eschatology and we split off a little bit and we're like, we can't fellowship with them anymore. And we have all these, these arguments over, they are important uh, topics, but if you look at the tree, roots we're all together on all these doctrines, but we may disagree on something as the timing of the rapture, not if there is a rapture, mm-hmm. not, you know, things like that. But um, so it's those subjects that that don't it, it doesn't meet the requirement for the attacks that we're seeing. Um, and so, yes, I, I have been in the camp meetings and the, the, the conferences where they're warning. I can remember my pastor back before I even was aware of other other uh, views just warning like this is dangerous don't even study it out don't go down that road and the the warning they always gave was it leads to replacement theology Mm -hmm. and so we cannot even question our pre-trib rapture because the spooky man here it leads to replacement theology and so i didn't even know what that was and i was like well i don't want replacement theology whatever it is so that means I'm pre-trip. So I think, you know, even in uh, our circles today, it's still prevalent. There's a, in fact, now they're warning, not just of doctrine, but of, of teachers, anyone who holds a post-trib pre-rap view, they're going to say, stay away from brother so-and-so, you know, as if he's, you know, this, this, this person that's got this power to corrupt minds versus staying on subject and saying, here's why we're not, post-trib and then show a Bible verse, but that's never what they do. They just, they, they create a, a straw man and then warn everybody that that straw man to hurt them. Yes. And one thing I've noticed too, that it does seem like when it comes to eschatology, that it's not even so much about how you interpret the Bible, but it's about who you line up with. Everyone wants to associate a doctrine with a man. And then what ends up happening when they go to debunk the other position, it ends up becoming more about a man. And, you know, and that to me is just a huge distraction. You know, if I don't want to talk about, you know, dispensational theology because I can't debunk it, you know, then it would be easier for me to talk about Peter Ruckman's three wives and, you know, things like that. And I just, I don't think that's fair. I mean, it's, it's a legitimate subject, but it's a separate subject. You know, who are these people teaching some of these things? I think you can talk about that. We'll, I'll probably do that eventually in this program. We'll spend some time talking about Schofield and Larkin and Darby and who these guys were. But at the end of the day, even if we prove that these guys, you know, uh, you know, tripped old ladies walking down the street, it doesn't mean that their doctrine was wrong. So it's, it can become a huge distraction. I prefer to talk about the doctrine and the issues. You know, I think that is, is more profitable. But again, we go to all this dramatic stuff. And, you know, and here's the thing about it, too. I was thinking about this this week. But what is more important? What somebody believes about um, doctrine in the past as far as, you know, the Old Testament ways, the sacrifices, all that. Obviously, there's a lot of doctrine from that. You know, why did they sacrifice the lambs? You know, what were the purpose of those things? Um, and then, he, and then, 
We have the subject of things in the present. What are we supposed to be doing today? How are we supposed to be living our lives today? What kind of church should we have? What kind of family should we be raising? You know, what is it like? Uh, what does it look like to live godly and separated? Is is that more important than what we think will happen in the future that we might not even live till that day? I mean, think about how much time we spend fighting with people who disagree with us on how things may unfold in the future, and we probably won't. We might not even live till that day comes. I hope we will, but. A lot of people that are in heaven right now said they believe they were going to live till those days. And we fight about all those things. And in the meantime, there's major disagreements about today. And uh, those things don't seem like that big of a deal. I mean, some people get more upset with you about being different on the tribulation than being different than on Bible version issue, uh, salvation issues, you know, separation, godly living, things for today. And so for me... You know, while it's nice when I have uh, preacher friends that I can fellowship with who line up with me on things like eschatology, I would actually prefer somebody who lines up with me on the things of today rather than things of tomorrow. Yeah, I think, though, the the reason they 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 shroud this doctrine with so much fear they, they, they just kind of, and I don't know their intentions, but I know the product is, is it produces church members who just don't question the doctrine. Mm-hmm. And instead of saying, you know, I wonder if it's post-trip pre-wrath, it's, well, have you heard about Pastor Boyle? Instead of saying, you know, well, you know, it's a pre-trip, it's like, no, you know, they, they curse the Jews, which is not a true statement. But they'll make, they'll make these, these bogus statements as a way of keeping people from studying out the actual topic. And so it produces conformity, whether that's their intention or not. It does produce conformity. But I always, you know, even to the point where I remember studying it out, and I wasn't post-trib, but I was I was highly doubting pre-trib at that point. But if you were to ask me, I would default back because I was as diehard of a pre-trib as you could get. Mm-hmm. And I would say I am pre-trib 100%. Uh, then I went from I pre-trib, but I see that post-trib has a point. And I remember starting to see some of the consequences of that. And I didn't want to study it out anymore because in my fleshly mind, I thought this way. When I didn't study eschatology, Everybody was my friend. And then as soon as I opened up the book of Revelation and started asking questions, just genuine questions for myself, all of a sudden now they're saying, stay away from Patrick, stay away from his ministry, because I was studying out the book of Revelation. And so I battled with that for a while thinking, well, why why would I study it then if it's going to cause so much problem? And that's a bad, that's a bad place to be spiritually, where you stop studying your Bible to keep your friends. And whether they mean it to be that way or not, that was what happened to me. And Revelation 1, verse number 3, is where I just kind of got wind back in my sail to go on studying. And there in Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. And I remember there reading that thinking, there's a blessing to know these things. And, you know, keep it in perspective, but 
it's 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 wonderful to it reshaped my worldview. I I now understand minor prophets. I understand Matthew twenty four. I it, the Bible really came together, and finally for the first time in my many years of ministry, it made sense. And I'm not sitting there feeling like I'm in over my head when I'm trying to understand uh, eschatology, prophecy, doctrine, and so it, there is a blessing. Uh, but I do think that they they. The whether intentional or not, the, there is a fear out there to keep you from even exploring any other option. Correct. And I'm glad you brought that up because there is there is a blessing that's associated with these things. God obviously wants us yeah. looking at them. But here's the other thing with prophecy, too. And then and I covered this a little bit in yesterday's program. But when it comes to um, when it comes to the subject of prophecy, you know, it's not meant to be like clear in this way where everybody's going to know exactly how it's going to play out before it plays out. None of the other prophecies that have been fulfilled were ever that way. You know, it, uh, it was one of those things where when it played out, everybody's like, oh yeah, there it is. But people's thinking of it wasn't always right. And so what I, when I, what I believe about prophecy is I do think it's something we ought to be studying, looking into. I think we ought to speculate. I think we ought to talk about it, but I think where we get in danger is when we get overly dogmatic about, about it. And again, there are things we can be dogmatic because the Bible is, you know, there are things we can fight about because they fought about it in the Bible. Paul called out the people who were teaching that the resurrection was past because they were overthrowing the faith of some. So, um, you know, the, you know, we're going to be dogmatic right. about the things the Bible's dogmatic about. But I think it's good for all of us when we are able to discuss these things, talk about them, ponder uh, a little bit. But I think people are afraid to. And you mentioned how, you know, you were just kind of you defaulted to pre-trib, but you were uh, almost afraid to study it. I was kind of the same way where when I was in that time of I'm not sure um, I defaulted back to the pre-trib. And I went back a while back and I was listening to a sermon that I preached about the rapture. And it was funny because when you listen to that sermon, what I preached was accurate, but I did not go into a lot of details and go into a lot of specifics because I only wanted to preach what I was sure about. And I have noticed that many preachers that I respect um, who have been challenged on this, if you listen to their preaching on the subject, it's kind of the same thing. They are, with great wisdom, sticking to the things that they know they're right about. But when it comes to a lot of these other specifics, they're just kind of silent on it. And I think that's a good sign. And I think those of us who have gotten over the political pressures and all that kind of stuff, you know, we just need to keep putting out more truth. Like you said, you can understand Matthew 24 and make it make sense and be consistent. You know, the minor prophets which you're not going to hear a lot of preaching on those things in most of your pre-trib Zionist churches. So, um, you know, I, so I, I think that the key is that we've got to do too, because they make it all about us. I almost think that's one of the reasons they do the hostility towards us is I do think there's a provoking that's going on so they can get us to behave badly and then just kind of cancel us. But you know, how, how do we not respond to hostility with more hostility? 
because it does it it gets ugly we're in the minority and so it's real easy for us to just kind of get a victim attitude and want to fight back and and let me tell you you know I wish I could go back and take back some things that I've done in response to some of the hostility but and I think that's one of the reasons I probably wanted to have you on the program first if I'm going to set the tone and it's not going to be an ugly one you know I got to get Pastor Boyle because you know you typically have a good attitude about everything <laughs> and so and I kind of I, I need that rubbing off on me a little bit but uh, you know how, how do you how do you do that not be hostile towards hostility well I, I would always point people to the greatest example which is Jesus Christ who he was reviled yet reviled not again he made himself of no reputation so if you attacks personally you start looking at what is saying about you because remember they're not necessarily attacking the doctrines they're going to attack Tommy McMurtry and Patrick Boyle that's who they're going to be attacking and then they're going to show that we're just people like you know and and wicked people in their and their uh takeaway and they're going to point out maybe even genuine flaws and they're going to say see and what's going to happen is our pride comes in we're like how dare they say that about me or my church or my family and then next thing you know we're returning kind with kind even after we have a conversation like this saying, hey, it's not worth fighting over, we find ourselves fighting over it. Mm -hmm. And so you have to constantly remind yourself, stay on subject, stay on the topic at hand, and they may attack and they will, but that doesn't give us the right to do so. And what helped me was when I realized that all of the decisions of Jesus were wrong on us, it helped me realize, wow, if they were all wrong on eschatology and Jesus never broke fellowship with them, the only time you see him even really scolding them would be in Luke 24 mm -hmm. after the resurrection. They're like, they're still thinking he was bringing in a kingdom and was going to set up an earth. They were, they were amillennialist at mm -hmm. best thinking, you know, Jesus is going to bring them. And Jesus, he said, Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe notice what he points them to all that the prophets have spoken mm -hmm. and so it wasn't like jesus said well that's plan a and we're going to scrap that for a little bit here's a new revelation plan b he's telling them they didn't even read the prophets correctly mm -hmm. that they had misunderstood being said then he he opened the scriptures and it began at moses he showed them all things concerning himself to help realize that that was what was supposed to have happened anyway. And so I think we're all going to have that same conversation with Jesus one day after the rapture. And we're all looking at each other, you know, trying to think how it panned out the way it did. And we all thought it was going to be this way or that way. And Jesus is going to say the same thing. Oh, fools and slow of heart, all to believe that the prophets spoke. And he's going to show us in plain sight what's been there all along, but we just failed to see it. And so if Jesus with his own disciples never broke fellowship because they were wrong or made it a criteria to be my disciple, you have to understand world events and eschatology. If he didn't set that standard, I don't set that standard. And I have many, many friends who are pre-trib. Uh, now, what I will say is most won't tolerate our view. Um, I, whenever a preacher decides to come to Revival Baptist Church to, to preach a mission, missionary, I always send a 
a response, welcoming them to our ministry. We're looking forward to hearing from them. And then I'll put a statement, something like this. Now, you know, at Revival Baptist Church, we're non-dispensational, post-tribulational, and I'll have a few taglines. And if you don't hold these views, as many of our friends do not, we ask that you refrain from those topics. And that request alone, 90% of all invited speakers have backed out. Hmm. And which is sad. We're just like, hey, we want you to come. We want to support your work. We want to pray for you. We want to hear what God has. Just don't touch these subjects if that's something you don't agree with. And they will refuse to extend an olive branch. Um, and why they never express, but it's just interesting uh, that as, as hard as we try to not make it an issue, it is an issue. But back to your question, how do you keep it from becoming kind for kind? It's going, to take some, it's going to take you going back to the subject and forget the personal attacks. They're going to happen. Yeah, that's a really good uh, way you're doing that because that's a good way to weed out the politicians from the people who um, are actually just interested in winning souls, which, you know, we have that in common with pre-tribbers. You know, that's why we uh, that's why we support missionaries, because we think they're going to go and they're going to get a lot of people saved. Uh, you know, not get them to be followers of us in our eschatology. So, um, but uh, yeah, that, I think I think that's a really good policy. Well, and and I like what you said too. You know, when you brought up that story in Luke, and it's clear the uh, the early Christians there in the first century they were dead wrong on all things eschatology. But you know the when and when you look at that, and one of the things I've you know, thought about a lot when you look at that. It's like, man, I don't want to miss things because it was very few that even understood what was coming many times. And even the ones that did, you know, they kind of had some special revelation, you know, like Zacharias, you know, who, uh, you know, knew Jesus was the Messiah. You know, he did have an angel come and tell him. So uh, at the same time, I think the key to being ready, the key to uh, understanding what we need to know, obviously we can't ignore the scriptures on prophecy. We need to study them, have knowledge of them, meditate on them. I don't think we have to lock ourselves into position on every one of them. But I think the key is being right with God today, being in God's will today. I think if we are um, in God's will today, doing the things that he commanded us to do, you know, while we occupy till he comes, I think those are going to be people that are going to know what they need to know when the time comes to know it in my opinion. And so that's why, again, um, when I see churches that are out there winning souls, you know, preaching the truth of salvation, using the right Bible, you know, living godly, standards separated, all that kind of thing, it's just, it's not hard for me to just overlook, you know, some differences on eschatology. And so, you know, it's not something that's super high on my priority list, but again, you know, I guess for you, because, you know, we do, we come from an independent fundamental Baptist world and we're kind of known for fighting about everything is, is the way people will act. But the truth is there are many things that are worth fighting for, taking strong stands, separating over, calling people out over. So I guess when it comes to these things, you know, how do you judge what doctrines are worth you're calling somebody out for, dividing over, things like that in your mind? Well, um, let me answer kind of backward on the question there, because you mentioned, you know, we're from an 
independent fundamental. I'm from a pre-trib background as well as yourself. And so when I hear attacks from our side to them, you know, they, they must not believe their Bible. They must not read their Bible. They don't love the Lord. How can you be wrong? Some would even say they're probably not saved because they can see something so clear in Scripture. Well, I come from, uh, you know, most of my, my time in ministry was under pre-tribulational doctrine. And so I saved from an entire ministry through a ministry that believed in a pre-tribulational dispensational worldview. I was trained to be a soul winner by a pre-tribulational church. I got married in a pre-tribulational church. I got sent off to the mission field in a pre-tribulational dispensational church with a desire to preach the gospel to the people of Romania from a pre-tribulational church. So when I hear attacks saying, if you're wrong on this, can't be a legitimate church or you're not probably saved or God can't use you. I'm looking around like I came on this later on in my ministry after I already was a homeschool, family centered, soul winning, King James Bible. All those doctrines were ironed out in a pre-tribulational church. So I don't subscribe to that. Um, and so it's it, it, it because of my perspective, you know, if you were saved by a post-tribulational pastor or ministry, well, it'd be easy for you to maybe think that, like, yeah, they're all frauds. Well, where did your pastor get saved? Where did your post-tribulational pastor, how did he hear the gospel? Probably by a pre-tribulational believer. So when you keep that in perspective, it will kind of tone things down a lot where, okay, wait a minute. Some really good missionaries out there that are pre-tribulational. How do I know? Because I was a pre-tribulational missionary with the desire to see people saved. And so that helps a lot. So that is kind of the perspective of the attack. But choosing when to defend and attack and split over doctrine would be the question I would ask would be, if I'm wrong on that doctrine, what are the consequences? If I'm wrong on the King James Bible, I have a corrupt seed. That's big. I'm not going to fellowship with someone who's using a corrupt seed. If, if they're wrong, you know, or if I'm wrong, we got a big problem. What about salvation? If we're wrong on salvation, we're splitting hell wide open. Okay, that's something to split over. There's a lot of things that are very detrimental to even just our day-to-day -day living. If we're wrong on the home, it's going to cause broken homes and children to go uh, turn out wrong and rebel. There are a lot of things that, like, wow, I don't want to raise my family in something that they could potentially subscribe to hearing preached from the pulpit, and it, it devastates you know, our life here today. But if we're wrong on the rapture, no matter where we land, we're going to be like the disciples in Luke 24, getting a lesson from Jesus. And we're, and we're going to be like, oh, and then they're going to be saying, man, our hearts burned within us. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Finally, we can see. So I don't see where, you know, how many of you, you've probably heard this many times. Well, if you want to go through the tribulation, go right ahead. I'm getting raptured at the first one. As if we're wrong on the rapture, mm -hmm. we missed the first one. Right. You know, it's like, you know, anyway, but the logic is what I was going at. And that is, even if I believe in a post-tribulational rapture and it ends up being pre-tribulational, we're going to all be raptured together and we're all going to be in I'll let those dispensationalists give me a Bible lesson in heaven. And I'm like, okay, I, I guess you were right all along. So 
I guess if we're wrong on the doctrine, what's the detriment? And if the detriment affects our everyday life, then then it is worth dividing over. So if I could convince Pastor A down the street that, you know, I'm right on eschatology, he needs to start preaching post-trip. But he's already going soul winning, he's already hard preaching, he's already King James only, he's like us on everything but eschatology. And I finally convince him it's a post-tribulational rapture. What is going to change in his church? The practical side of things, nothing changes. Mm -hmm. So that shows you the important, like, okay, so all I get is him to say, you're right, Pastor Boyle, thank you. That's the only thing that's going to change. So at that point, I'm going to think, well, no, it's not that big a deal. You know, yes, I'm going to study it out, but it's not time to break friendship if they're wrong. Yeah, that's good. I, I totally agree. You do. You look at kind of the end result of it. And I've heard people come to me and they tell me all these dire consequences are going to happen if people are pre-trib. They're going to take the mark of the beast, all that stuff. And, and I, I don't believe say people are going to do that, but at the, at the end of the day, it's all about the present. And so, for example, you know, we saw a lot of pre-tribbers during COVID, you know, take some really good, strong stands, you know, because, you know, they had convictions. And when persecution came, they weren't moving on on those things and they did just fine. You know, and I think uh, I don't I don't think somebody's head being in the right place on eschatology is going to make all the difference on that. But I want to close with this final thought too that I, I want to ask you about because uh, one thing I do think is important for people on our side and, and on both sides, but you know, it's important. We need to learn to not take it personal when someone disagrees with us. And um, in fact, just recently I was at a meeting and you know, there was a preacher there preaching and he knows me, he knows where I stand. And, you know, and in his sermon, he's like, you know, there's some people that are, teach we're going to be going through half, you know, halfway through the tribulation. I don't believe none of that, you know, and at the same time, you know, you hear those things, but you know, I didn't take it personal, but here's, here's what I always tell myself. And here's what I told myself in that situation is I didn't take it personal because one, I know that person cares about me. And so they just disagree with me. I think it's important. I think one of the reasons people often maybe don't want to have anything to do with us is you know, maybe if we're being too hostile, they don't know that about us. But when people find out that, hey, no, you like them, you care about them the way they are, you know, they're usually more likely to let you be different than them in some areas. But I do know sometimes with myself, if I'm real honest with myself, when I hear people get up and just contradict what I preach, I always have to ask myself, is this about preserving truth? or protecting my ego. And so, uh, you know, what are some things we can do to not make these things just about our ego, not taking it personal, uh, especially too, if you feel like, you know, they're responding to me, you know, and, and my position, um, you know, how do you handle that kind of thing? So I think this is where I was talking not long ago with a pre-trip pastor who was trying to, you know, extend an olive branch to a, saying it's not that big a deal. And the conclusion he came to was like, you know, we really should be dividing over these things. And, you know, when I preach, he said, I just preach it, like you had said earlier, just a general sense of the return of Christ. And I kind of stopped him there. And I said, now, wait a minute. If you honestly believe a pre-trib rapture, but you want to be my friend, 
should get up behind your pulpit and blast the post-trib doctrine. And I, if you must believe that, and I'm going to get up behind my pulpit and blast a pre-tribulational view because I think it's silly. I think the Bible's very clear. But by being friends, we've agreed that we both don't see it eye to eye, and we're okay with that. Mm -hmm. It does not mean I hold back now because I have a pre-trib friend. And I certainly don't expect you to hold back mm -hmm. because I'm your post-trib friend. And that's a, a very dangerous uh, uh, road to travel down as a pastor where, oh, well, because I have all these friends, I can't be hard on these topics. No, 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 no. I would treat it the same way if someone walked into my church with an IV Bible. We don't Bible check at the door. We're glad they're in church. Mm -hmm. But don't get mad if I'm up there and the day is King James Bible and I'm ripping the NIV apart from the pulpit. Hey, that's just that's what we believe. And if you have a hard time with that, well, then go somewhere else. We're not going to hold back because there's a person in our church carrying an NIV Bible that day. And so... I think the key is be comfortable in your position, knowing that there are those who are going to disagree and they're going to teach otherwise. And if you're so in insecure in your faith that someone teaching differently is going to affect you, maybe you're not as solid as you might think. That's good. That's good. Well, hey, that's all we have time for on today's program. But I do appreciate everyone watching this. Always enjoy hearing what Pastor Boyle has to say on these subjects and so make sure uh you stay with us tomorrow we are going to continue uh this discussion but we are going to talk about bible or books where is your eschatology actually coming from is it coming from the bible or books and we'll talk about books we like books we don't like and uh, i think it'll be an interesting conversation so thank you all for watching this we will see you all tomorrow